Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. My name is Susie Collett. I'm a violent crime survivor, a martial artist, and I'm the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Hume Vaseem, a fitness professional and certified Pretty Deadly trainer living in Islamabad. We're exploring the kinds of violence women around the world face, the different ways we defend ourselves on a daily basis, and of course, sharing our self-defense tips and techniques as we go. If there's anything you would like us to explore, send us your questions and comments to hi at teamprettydeadly.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. Hi, Hume. How are you? Hi, Susie. I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It's nice to see you, as always. Yeah, nice to see you as well. And I think we are color coordinated in a weird way, like my sweater matches your glasses and my hairband matches your sweater. Kind of, yeah. You've got a brighter room than I do, though. Yeah. Different time of day. Yep. Yep. Anyway, um, so what are we talking about today? So we're talking about when saying no offended someone mm-hmm. like as women we are not raised to say you know and when we do say no people are taken aback they expect us to comply and i have many examples from my life i'm sure you have many examples as well i do so, too. it's one of my favorite one of my favorite things because people get so shocked but you're right people um <clears throat> people really expect women to say yes or yeah. to kind of do a soft no, like, well, you know, or, or a no, but, or whatever. And this is something really important to focus on in a self-defense or be aware of rather in a self-defense context, because, because the people who want to harm other people, since they know that women are uncomfortable saying no, um, and they, they count on us to kind of say yes, or very softly say no, this is how they they kind of get entrance past our self-defense systems. They yeah, use exactly. against, they use it against us a lot. And it's it's why we have an exercise about saying no in pretty deadly classes. But one of my favorite things when I say no to people as a full sentence, not in a like aggressive way, but just to know is just how shocked they are. It's yeah, that was really amusing to me. Like, oh, she said, what? They get really confused. Like, I don't, I don't know how to respond. You know, sometimes the situation is such that a firm no is the only answer and it's the only way to safeguard your boundaries, right? Right, right. So what are some examples from your life where you've said no? Okay, and so you- and it, and it was offensive to someone. That was yeah. the other part of it. So you'd have to understand a little bit about the Pakistani society for that. And in Pakistan, culturally, arranged marriage is pretty much the norm, um, especially in like my parents' generation's times. So when I turned like 24, I was old according to Pakistani society. And my parents were like, you know, it's time for you to get married. And Can I ask you a quick question? What is your parents' generation? How old are your parents? My dad is in his 60s and my mom is in her late 50s. Okay, so they're like sort of, they would be on our side of the world, sort of older Gen X. Yeah, I think baby boomers as well. No, no, I think so. My friends here on this side of the world who are even in their late 50s or just turned 60, or maybe probably up to around 62 are still Gen Xers. 
So the boomers are before them? Yeah, the boomers are before them. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, right. The boomers are my parents. Okay. Basically. Yeah. I've been calling my parents boomers all this time. So well, you can so they don't know, but you can, yeah, it's a, so my parents, my parents are passed away, but if they were still alive, they'd both be in their eighties today. So people in their eighties are generally boomers. Okay. And even at like 60, your dad kind mm -hmm. of just, um, you know, well, there's a bit of wiggle room, but he's basically Gen X and so is your mom. Yeah. But I'm sure if you're walking around saying, okay, boomer, to your parents and, and successfully annoying them, keep it up. I haven't said it to them, but we make a lot of jokes about them and like people share memes. This is how boomers think and their thinking seems to be the same. Mm -hmm. um, because I think trends also catch up slowly and gradually from the US to Pakistan. So maybe your parents were boomers and my parents were also boomers. According yeah. to the way they, yeah, yeah, that could be true. I mean, <clears throat> that makes sense culturally. Yeah, yeah. So, so now that we put that up, back to your story. So you were around twenty-four. You were considered old already in Pakistan culture, and your parents said, "It's time for you to get married." Yeah. So I had graduated, and I was running a fashion line. That was my business. And um, I was pretty happy, like I was in a growth phase, but all of a sudden my dad and my mom say that, you know, it's time for you to get married and, you know, we're looking for proposals. And they saw one proposal that stood out for them because the guy had a stable job, came from a well-to-do family and all that jazz. And I also entertained it because I thought, you know, this is um, it might work out because it does work out for a lot of women. Um, but what I noticed that um, there was a lot of interaction between my parents and his parents. They were meeting each other. They were talking to each other. And the fact that, you know, they weren't letting me talk to the guy. And like a month had passed and they were just meeting outside, exchanging gifts being very nice, but like, I was just feeling like, you know, I'm going to be marrying this person. How come nobody's making me talk to him? Like ultimately my connection and chemistry and values with this person matter more than their chemistry with each other. So I sort of put my foot down one day and I said to his family that, you know, it's high time that I speak to him. Um, and, you know, they were very hesitant because they were like, you know, um you so the guy lived abroad and they said you know once you guys meet then it's better to um you know it's it's better to meet him and then uh, decide if you like him rather than talk to him online but it sounded very fishy to me and they also said that once he comes to Pakistan you guys should get married and I was like I can't take that risk you know um so anyway, when I spoke to him, I realized we didn't have anything in common. Um, he was a nice guy, like he was honest. That's one thing that I liked about him, but we did not have any shared interests. And I said to my parents that, you know what, I'm not feeling any chemistry with this person and I don't want to marry him. But they seemed pretty offended and they were like, you don't know what you're talking about. This is a great proposal because he has a great job. And I said, we don't have anything in common, but like, how am I gonna, I can't even converse with him. How am I gonna live with him? 
and my dad was like you know what you can mold him you can get him to like the movies that you like or the books that you like or the music that you like and I said you know this guy is eight years older than me he's not like my child that I can mold him and my dad was like no you can mold him you know like they were just persistent that I married this person but eventually he caught on and he found like he figured it out that I was being pressurized by my family and he just took a back seat but that period of my life was very stressful like highly stressful and distressing for me and I couldn't focus on my business and um, like I like my business also went downhill after that and you know, I'm still one of the lucky ones because I could still get out of that situation. But a lot of women in Pakistan end up marrying without their consent. And later, once they're married, they get divorced and it gets really messy by then. Is, is divorce easy in Pakistan or is it a really complicated process? It, 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 it is complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, in many instances, the woman cannot initiate divorce but she can initiate a separation, which is known as khula. Mm-hmm. And it's it has different terms and conditions, basically. But other than legally, socially as well, it's difficult because people talk a lot and you know they say that the woman's market value or you know marriageability has really diminished if she is a divorcee. So a lot there's a lot of taboo associated. Yeah, that was definitely the case here in the in the United States where I am currently. But so I can't really speak about Germany because I didn't grow up in that culture. But in the U.S., that was a really common belief about women who were divorced as well for many many years. You know that, yeah, you know, your the woman's value is reduced because <clears throat> she's she's already it's like she's used. You know, it's like body yeah, used there must you know? be something wrong with her that right some- and. Yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty terrible, you know. So what? So, but I'm about to go off on that topic, and I don't want to go off on that topic because we want to stick to this topic. So, what happened with your parents? They were offended, but you were also really upset, right? Because it was affecting your business and it was really stressful. So, what was the consequences of saying no? Yeah, sorry, your voice just jammed for a second. Can you repeat that? What were, I'm asking, um, you said no to your parents and they were really offended and you were also very upset because your business suffered, right? And you were really stressed. So <clears throat> what basically, what were the consequences of saying no? And where are you with your parents now? Those are good questions. So when I would say no, I was made to feel as if I don't know what I'm talking about, as if I will miss out on the best proposal of my life, as if did you believe that, or did you did you worry like oh maybe they're right? Yeah, I did because a I was very young, I was 24. B this is what happens in Pakistan: women just marry whoever their parents choose for them. I mean, not all of them, but a majority of them. So I did think, yeah, like I might die single, I might die broke. Because his parents also the guy the guy's parents also kept saying that you know he's rich and he can you know settle you down and work in your life and stuff like that. So I did have that anxiety a lot, and my mental health suffered a lot. 
um, I just wish that my parents had said, you know, if you don't see a future with him, it's okay. You'll find someone else. You're still young. Yeah. So to answer your second question, where do I stand now with them? Now, eventually, after many years, I believe they have understood me. Um, I have told them that whoever I marry will be with my own choice. And I'm, I've always wanted to do it once I became more established career-wise and once I knew who I was, you know, once I had a solid identity as opposed to someone very young and vulnerable. So they understand that now. Mm. That's yeah. really interesting because I remember when I was around the same age, um, I fell in love with someone who was married to someone else. Um, and they professed their love for me as well. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to contribute to the ending of a marriage, of somebody else's marriage. But, it, but I felt that I really, really loved this person. And I took some time away to kind of really think about things. And, and that was something I thought about too, you know, the sense of, um, I'm really young, I'm not fully formed, like, my sense of identity isn't completely stabilized and established. Yeah, I'm still, I'm young. I was New York City, you know, and I'm like running around having a great time, trying yeah. all kinds of things. Um, and I wanted to be more established in my career. So the exact same thoughts, you know, like I really, and, and my parents weren't pressuring me. My parents didn't know about it. Um, but the guy was pressuring me actually quite a lot. So he and... wanted, <laughs> yeah, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. What's your question? So he wanted to leave his wife and marry you. Like that was his proposal. That's what he was saying. I don't know if that's what he really wanted, but that's what he was saying. And that at 24, that was a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I needed to make a choice. So I, so I, I kind of sequestered myself away for a few days to really think about it. And, and these were some really prominent thoughts that I had of, you know, I'm, my identity isn't fully formed. I want to be more established in my career. I wasn't even really sure what my career was at that point. I had like kind of a vague notion, but not really. Yeah. Um, I, and I wanted to know myself better. So the exact same thoughts you had, and I, I think that's really interesting. And I wonder how many women are in that situation, find themselves in that situation um, and are pressured into relationships and marriage, whether it's an arranged situation as in Pakistan or in other countries where that happens. Um, or in Western countries where it's maybe not an entire family, but a guy, but yeah. families in the West as well will pressure women with, you know, you should have, you should start having children. So yeah. you might not get that pressure to marry someone, but you can get the pressure in a more subtle way of like, you know, it's time for you to start having kids. Yeah. I didn't say no in the end. Um, I chose love or what I thought was love. I ended up in a quite abusive relationship, emotionally abusive relationship Sorry to um, where there was a lot of, you know, coercive control. There was a lot of emotional abuse, you know, and it, and those were my consequences for not saying no, which yeah. is also really interesting. You know, I mean, we don't want to, obviously every time you say no, or you don't say no, you don't always end up in like these extreme consequences. But I think that that can happen for a lot of people, you know, and I want to say as well, 
that I think men also get pressured to like get married and have a family sometimes as part of the definition of manhood, you know, and that can be damaging to them as well. So I don't want to say that women are the only victims of this, but, you know, I think we get pressured in such a way and at such a young age where men can go longer before they start really getting that pressure put on them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I just want to reflect on what you said, like the commonality between us, which was you wanted to establish yourself. I wanted to establish myself. And I believe that was a form of self-defense for us because, you know, we realize that if you are in the wrong relationship, that can really mess with you on every level. Right. Right. But I mean, self-defense, but also just self-awareness, which is what part of self-defense is. It's just kind of knowing who you are or still understanding that you don't totally know. Right. Mm Self-preservation, the, the desire that every human has to, to, um, for self-agency, you know, to say like, I want to choose. And I would imagine you can tell me if I'm wrong, but while you were telling your story, what the thoughts that were running through my head were that I would imagine I would feel like, you know, somehow while my parents are talking to his parents and I'm not allowed to meet this person, that this is all about them and their convenience. And I'm not even a part of the equation here. Yeah. That's is- why, yeah. That's why I was so like, I was thinking, so I used to watch True Blood and there was this girl, Tara, who had a dialogue about something when it's when it seems too good to be true. She called it Satan in a Sunday hat. And I found that hilarious. So with them, everything seemed so good to be true. Like they were bringing me gifts. They were showering me with really nice things. They're making big promises. Mm-hmm. Um, but then something clicked that, you know, I haven't even spoken to him. Right. But this is the norm, you know, there are people who have only spoken once on the phone who end up spending their entire lives together mm-hmm. yeah it's it's <clears throat> I don't know what to say about it because it's not part of my cultural experience so the way that I was raised in my generation I think was raised in the United States was to believe that um, arranged marriages were really terrible but I also know since I've grown older and I've been around in the world and I've talked to many people that some people appreciate arranged marriages and some people have really thrived in arranged marriages. They're yeah. not, it's, it's not a black and white situation. It's um, not. But yeah, I do think that people are very pressured. I know my dad at one point around, again, around the same age, before I met this guy, actually, my dad had said, quit screwing around and find someone to marry you. So he also had the idea for a long time that, you know, the, the, this is what happened, should happen for the daughter, you know, get her married off so that she's taken care of and nobody has to worry about her safety or her well-being again. She becomes a burden on the family after a certain age and she should become, you know, the, 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 the property of a man who's taking care of her, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, I I didn't have extreme pressure because my dad said this to me over the phone while I was living in New York, and that was resolved with a very simple hanging up on him. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know, but, 
but you know but yeah it's 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 a pressure that i think women really experience and i don't like, want to like demonize arranged marriages because like you said there have been good examples but i feel it's such a gamble when you're not even being allowed to talk to a person how well, yeah. their personality right yeah the second thing that you mentioned yes you didn't have pressure from your parents but there was a man who was very influential right so the patriarchal pressure was still there yeah absolutely absolutely and that patriarchal entitlement as well yeah so somebody who's already married and feels very entitled to, to that's another a very person. red flag as well that if he's leaving his wife then yeah yeah so that's about him so, so but yeah so <clears throat> it's yeah saying no to people and 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 having them be offended is such an interesting thing so when i've done this um in my life there's <clears throat> not it hasn't been in in such long-term situations is the way that I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make that correlation. But I have done it in ways where the reactions that I've had from people are like really shock and surprise. Um, I was in a recording studio with a bunch of artists um, and a producer who I had written an opera actually, and they were recording some of the parts of the opera. And the producer said, you know, well, why don't we have I don't know, the lead vocal do X, Y, Z. And I just very simply said, no, because that's not what I wanted for the opera. And everyone in the room kind of what all laughed really uncomfortably, like, oh, <laughs> she said, like, we're a little shocked that she said no. And she was comfortable saying no. But if I didn't say no, then I wouldn't have gotten what I wanted on that recording. You know, and it's my piece of work. I know what I I know what it should sound like. So yeah. that's not to say that, you know, you're not open to collaboration and all these, but see, I'm doing it right now. I'm like explaining my, and justifying my own no and diminishing it by saying, well, that's not to say that I'm not a good person. Instead of just saying, I said no, because I knew what I wanted. Yeah. I think um, even if you are saying no, like, first of all, it is your right. But like in my situation, I wish my parents or any parents who are even watching this, they should allow their daughters to at least present their reasoning through logic, you know. In my case, it wasn't just, no, I don't want to marry because, you know, I just don't want to marry. I did want to marry, but I didn't see any chemistry with this person. So it's not like I didn't have any reasoning, right? Um, I, think, I think in both situations, something that parents can do for their daughters and something we can do for each other as women is help us learn how to articulate that no in a way that doesn't diminish the no. So it's not a justification. It's not saying, you know, no, I don't want that, but really I'm a good person and here are all the other examples. Um, rather, it's a no, I don't want that because my belief system doesn't align with it or because I feel that, you know, for me, something is off, or I feel I should be able to speak to someone before I marry them, etc. So I think it's easy, in some ways, it's easy for society to dismiss women when we say no, when we follow that no up with an apology. And that apology coming in the form of a but, or uh, like I was just doing, that's not to say I don't want to collaborate, you know, no, don't judge me, I'm still a good person because I said no. 
et cetera, et cetera. But, but we can help to shift that conversation by helping each other and, and, and helping parents teach their daughters how to say no and explain if they need to explain the reason why they say no in a way that doesn't demean or diminish the no or themselves as people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that makes sense. Um, but in your case, you said no to an employer, right? Like a boss. So I said no to employer in that in the one example that I gave that wasn't an employer so much. That was just my own artistic work. Um, but I have said no to employers. Um, but like you wouldn't want to offend them, right? If you offend them, then they can cause you harm as well. Yeah, so. well, when it comes to employers, you know, I work for myself and there's a reason for that. It's because I don't do so well in, Same in, here. <laughs> in employment yeah. situations. So I have very little concern about offending people in the office environment <laughs> <laughs> and offending my bosses. I kind of don't care if they fire me. I don't care because there's always, you know, there's always another job. That's not yeah. true anymore because I'm now middle aged and I haven't been employed by anyone else for a long time. So if I were to have a job um, and I said no in the way that I would say no to people, no to my bosses in my 20s or 30s or even 40s, um, I would get fired and I would have a harder time finding new work. So that starts to shift that dynamic a lot. And you're, so you're, that comes around to what you're talking about. That's absolutely right for many people and especially women saying no to your employer has the consequence of you losing your job or yeah. the employer making your job so horrible that you quit, you know, yes. kind of trying to squeeze you out of the situation. So Which we can't, sorry, I was just going to say, so we can't always, you know, say a firm no without those consequences coming back on us to, to, to a level that we can't really afford to pay. Yeah. What were you about to say? I was just going to say, which brings me to our next topic, which is creative ways to say no. You're listening to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast, hosted on ACAST and available on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com and wherever you get your favorite pods.